this doesn't sound like a joke, but it's kind of true. A lot of things, not everything, a lot of things sort of originate in California. And then oh, the do they? Oh, yeah. I see. It's right. true. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 140 of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hello. And we have Greg Hio Esquire on the line from San Francisco, California. Hello. All right. Okay. So Greg, Esquire means you're a lawyer, is that right? In America, that would mean I'm a lawyer, yeah. because I can't be an engineer in Canada, so instead I pretend to be a lawyer in America. That's I right. see. Okay. That's interesting. No, So we had a big debate. We, I guess one of the shows you weren't on, we talked about Esquire, in that uh, when I was at private school, the, the parents were always titled Esquire, whether they had a title or not. Huh. And uh, yeah, so I think uh, Greg's uh, entomology lesson, by the end of the show, you gave us some real-time follow-up on that, that it's actually means that like it's like it's from squire which means the person who seconds the night right in someone battle. who carries the shield is what it ended up being yes yeah, yeah. So, I see. so i guess that, that makes sense that's so uh, you're not a lawyer but you play one on the internet yes i am <laughs> carrying the shield to keep bugs away from code that i write how about that right, sounds right. good sounds good so you're dr smaps off and he's uh greg hugh esquire all right fancy all right. podcast mm-hmm. okay so greg gave a follow-up item on semiconductors for us it's the best kind of follow-up, as I was joking. Everybody's favorite. Semiconductor follow-up. So a few last episode, a few episodes ago, you guys were talking about Apple developing its own... It was last episode. Apple developing its own power management chip and putting other companies out of business. And then there was also a story about them maybe taking over from uh, Synaptics, I think is the name of the company, who does the trackpads. Mm-hmm. And sort of Apple being its vertically integrated self, wanting to bring more manufacturing and that kind of thing in-house design well, they've always been about the, the design but bringing the manufacturing in-house so there's a story that came by on reuters saying how the toshiba toshiba who makes flash memory i think they are looking to sell and so uh, apple's supply one of their uh, manufacturers foxconn was going to go in and buy the flash business from toshiba but then I think there were some concerns from the Japanese government about like foreign companies coming in and having too much ownership. I think that's pretty common around the world. And so the story was saying that Apple was going to maybe team up with Foxconn to say, well, they'll own X percent and will also own X percent. And so it won't be majority owned by this very scary uh, Taiwanese American or Chinese company. company. Oh, okay. But, you know, uh, the, we're the good guys, we're the Americans, we'll be in on the ownership as well. And so they were saying that they were going to invest some money to take a stake as much as possibly 20% to um, in the Toshiba Flash business. So again, Apple putting more of their... That seems to be Apple's MO. Like they'll tell other companies, hey, we'll float you the money, go build this fabrication facility and make chips for us, please. But we don't actually want to own it. And so this is kind of interesting in that they're saying, you know, this thing is for sale. One of our suppliers wants to buy it, but is having trouble. So fine, we will put our name on it as well and own part of it. But presumably they would just kind of let Foxconn go about go about their business and, you know, actually run the place and then Apple just put the money in and put their name on it and their ownership stake in it. So Apple putting their claws into more manufacturing-related stuff, you know, maybe ensuring their supply of components as they like to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was watching a video on uh, Bloomberg's site 
um, they do, like I said, do sort of this uh, conversation between some people in the UK and some people in San Francisco or in front of a green screen that looks like San Francisco. But um, they were saying that 35 companies have gotten out of the business of chip manufacture and that kind of stuff. Do you know anything about that, Mark? Well, I, I don't know the exact number, but this is this is the story of, of life for, for the semiconductor business. It's They very much go through boom and bust cycles where there's a period of growth and then there's a, a big consolidation period where many, many companies disappear. Um, in fact, I was just thinking about this. None of the companies that I worked for when I was in the chip business still exist. They've all been acquired, mm. which, wow. is, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it happens all the time. There's always lots of consolidation. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the companies I worked for just recently, a couple of months ago, got acquired by a Japanese company, which is a little bit surprising in light of the the uh, Japanese government rejecting uh, Apple investing in, in Toshiba, but maybe not all that surprising, I suppose. Yeah, I think they were more concerned about the time, like Foxconn coming in and having majority control. They would rather kind of split it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, there, there's some details and some speculation in the, in the story here. But um, I think Apple is like, I think they kind of want to stay away from it. They don't, it seems like they don't really want to do it. Yeah. But if it's going to help their supplier, then they'll put up the money and again, put up their name and say, yes, it's partly owned by Americans and yep. we're all good guys. So nothing to worry about here. So yep. it's just yep. kind of, a, I don't know, a little bit of a shell game, I think, with that kind of thing. Yeah, it's very tough business. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that Apple would be a little reluctant to get into it, especially in the memory business, because the memory business <laughs> yeah. is historically not done well. That's like the uh, easiest to manufacture, lowest margin kind of, kind of uh, fabrication, isn't it? Well, not necessarily the easiest to manufacture because it's, it, it tends to lead in the technology size because there's so much pressure on shrinking stuff down. So, so the you know when a new technology node comes up, and what I mean by a new technology node is every couple of years, Moore's law says that the size of the device shrinks roughly. Uh, so every couple of years, there's a new development cycle for a new technology node. Well, the memory people are are pretty much always the first ones to to come out with a new technology because they have so much uh, market pressure to get to get you know more larger. Uh, uh, chips, you know, or, or more devices on on a chip, so they tend to lead. But what they do is is once they make a cell, it's pretty much you repeat that cell just a billion times or whatever it is. So right for like so memory cells, issues. especially right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they, they they tend to lead, but once they've got the process worked out, it tends to be fairly stable as opposed to in other types of technologies where there's more layout variation or whatever that leads to uh, you know design and manufacturing interactions, which which you don't generally get as much of in, in the memory space. Mm. Apparently the uh, fine folks over at um, Bloomberg are just saying once again that the iPhone 8 is going to be updated and it's going to have OLED screen and it's going to be maybe stainless steel, you know, hmm. blah, but, blah, blah. But, but potentially hmm. no Touch ID. Have you heard about this yeah. one? Really, yeah. But is that because you think maybe it's going to use face recognition? or No, they're saying just, it's, it's just a manufacturing problem. They're having trouble getting the yields up so they can't ship with it. Oh really? Yeah, but you know who knows? I mean, that, if if that's even true, uh, they could fix the yield tomorrow for all we know. So it may not be may not be a real thing. But they do have to make a contingency plan, right? They have to if they want to ship these things in six months. If they don't have it working today, they got to come up with a plan B potentially, just in case they don't get it working. Well, that's huge. I mean, especially like with banking apps and you know security and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's like coming super reliant on Touch ID. Yeah, right? yeah, it would be pretty big. 
Well, even App- Apple Pay as well, right? I don't yeah. really believe that because yeah. there's so many features that rely on that. I did see another iPhone 8 mock that had the Touch ID on the back, like they do on the oh, okay. Android phones. Yeah. And so, because I heard like they were having trouble putting the Touch ID underneath the screen, as people thought. Right. And so their backup solution was like, well, we'll put it on the back because, you know, when you're holding it, if, as long as you're holding it right, you can just <laughs> put your finger on the back and get it like that. So, yeah. But I, I, I cannot see them just saying, nope, we couldn't get it in. So, yeah. Forget Touch ID. That's not a thing anymore. I, I don't believe that at all. I agree. What if you have a big janky case that blocks it? I guess it, I guess you'd be new cases anyway. But yeah, that that is a big story. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah, it's been the same sort of thing that everybody else has been talking about with the OLED screen and and uh, you know the curved screen and curved glass and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure. And I, I sort of glanced at a few things that mentioned the Touch ID being uh, not there, but I thought maybe they were coming up with something better. I didn't realize it was an issue, technical issue. Interesting stuff. Okay. So a uh, friend of the show, I guess he's a friend of the show, but uh, Ant- Anthony Lawrence, or iTony underscore L, uh, works for Nebo, the company that brought us some uh, MyScript, which I, I think I chose Nebo. It's a handwriting recognition, recognition software for, and it's also an SDK if you want to put Andro- handwriting recognition into your apps, um, for the iPad Pro line with the pencil. So you can you can basically write and, and it'll transcribe your, your text into, or your, your script, your cursive, I should say, into um, digital text but they also have another product that mark was interested in which i think sort of uses based on latex or something like that does mathematical calculations so you can actually write you know 35 divided by five or whatever yeah and it'll tell you seven right yeah. well they've just come out with an ipad version well no actually it doesn't it doesn't actually solve the equations it no, just does. typesets them not, no, the this late, one does. not the LaTeX one. Oh, LaTeX technology. No, no, but I'm, what I'm saying is Nebo does, right? So I was playing around with it the other day at, at uh, Anthony's um, urging because they've just come up with a version that works on iPads. And so I I, I, up, I had already downloaded it from my iPhone, but now that I have the iPad version downloaded it, tried out a couple of, you know, calculations and, you know, made some graphics. And it's got some, it's, it's a cool video on the website that I'll link to that shows, you know, how you can, you know, if you do a calculation and you want to keep the, the result, you can drag it up to the... The, to the to the navigation bar and it kind of sits there and then if you do another calculation you drag that that result back down into your new calculation and carry on with the uh, stuff and then you can do the more complicated you know engineering type uh, calculations which are just way over my head as far as math writing goes so you should give it a shot mark if you have, yeah, you have okay. an ipad 2 right yeah i have an so. ipad uh, air 2 yeah, it's designed. I mean, I guess his point was that it supports the Apple Pencil, but uh, but yeah, uh, I don't have one of those yet. But you know, cool that you can do these kind of uh, groovy groovy uh, calculations on. Yeah, your so iPad. I, I was never so interested in actually doing the calculations. I was interested in in just typesetting equations. So for technical publications, oh, okay. when you have to do a lot of things that have you know complicated integrals and stuff like that. Not that I do much of that anymore, but I used to. Uh, that was always the most time consuming part of of writing the paper because the tools yeah. in, in your typical word processor are not really that great for doing that kind of typesetting. So so if I had something, and maybe this will do it, I'll have to check it out. If I had something where I could just sketch out the equations, write out the equations, and it would typeset them for me, that would be pretty useful. Yeah, so I've, I've just opened my iPad here. Let me just try it out. So let me just. I thought that's six, the app that we had. Well, it was. Well, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, so this this yeah, this typesets um I just, you know, hand write hand wrote 6 minus 7 over 35 and it gives me equals minus 0.028 dot 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 dot. And it typeset the the uh equation as well. So Yeah, but what about the integral of e to the x? 
I, uh, I tried this app as well, Mark, with the yeah. with a pencil. Uh-huh. Uh, I think uh, Carolyn, who's on the Ray Wendelick team, when Ooh. I saw her in Australia, she has the iPad Pro with a pencil, and I did a integral with a sum and all of this other stuff, and it worked perfectly. Awesome. Okay. This yeah. is on yeah, it on, on, on it. On, no, on it was the, the equation drawing thing, not the not the solving. Yeah. But the drawing part. Okay. Well, this is this is uh, April eleventh. He sent me a tweet about it. So um, about no, it was the, the it was the app that you guys had talked about before. Yeah. Is this the uh, same yeah, one? That, that's, 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 the same well, one? no, 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 no. Hang on. Nebo is the Nebo is the one I talked about months ago, where it was my my pick, and you could write you know four score and seven years ago or four score and twenty years ago, and it'll it'll change that into text, right? Okay. Um, but they also had a product called MyScript, which would take you could write mathematical integrals or whatever the hell Mark just said. <laughs> and it would actually draw the, it would typeset them for you and, and, and give you the, the result, right? Or the product or whatever. Um, and you make me think about all this math I haven't thought about in 30 years. Um, but, uh, so this this new uh, they've got this I think it's called V three calculator I think it's the same script same app but uh, yeah you can basically write out you can hand script you know um, with your finger or with your with your pencil if you're so lucky to have one um, you can write out a calculation and it will not only ca- do the calculation for you but it'll also typeset it as Mark is saying ah uh, okay. Right. okay so Get so the, the the app that we were talking about before the one that I installed was called MathPad which That's is made one, yes. by MyScript yes yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's titled My Script MathPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here, let me let me see if I can find you a link here for for this particular app. Um, I'm yeah, the so seller here. Go to, go to My Script. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Correct, you're a correct mark. It is My Script, and Nebo's the product. Okay. Yeah. If you look at um, other apps by this developer, then they also yeah. have like a My Script calculator and right. things like that. Yeah. So the calculator is the app I just downloaded, and and that's what I'm talking about when I just tried the the math out. Okay. Where are you looking? Uh, I right? looked up the app, and then I did view more by this developer, and it shows all their other. They have like five five apps or something like that, and yeah. it just shows up yeah. as another one. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, my script. Apologies to people listening to the show yelling at their phones. It is my script is the company, and Nebo is the product, and and so is MathPad. But uh, they also have interactive, you know, which is for those people. Yeah. You shouldn't be typesetting while driving your car anyway, so it's so it's okay. Dangerous <laughs> stuff. Dangerous. <laughs> stuff yeah yeah they're driving at home clearly because they've been drinking right so that's right that's right right, okay so so there's an app to write equations and it will typeset them i think it did mathml and latex if i'm not mistaken and then there's another app where you can write stuff out and it will calculate it like if you write one plus one you draw that it will calculate two for you and then there's a third app which is the one you're talking about nebo which is like a note-taking app right and that does not do like oh no it does also do the math it does stuff. appear to do the math stuff it as does well. but this is more like a you know like a virtual notebook where i want to have notes that may include math so maybe in ascending order it's the one that just does the typesetting it's the one that does the typesetting and calculates it and now this is like the ultimate app that does that and also general note taking with diagrams and all kinds of things like that right right okay mm-hmm. and for those of you developing at home they have an sdk where you can add the um this handwriting technology to your app. Oh, very cool. Very cool. This is going to be on my list for when I get my, when they refresh the iPad Pro and I get one in a pencil. This is definitely going to be (laughs) top of the list to try out. Well, the point is you can do this with, you can try it now without, with a regular plain old ordinary lame, like an animal. I know what you're going to say. That's no good. That's no way to live. I have to get the refreshed Pro (laughs) and a pencil and then try it out for the ultimate experience. I don't want to ruin it. All right. Okay, fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually taking notes in meetings with uh, with the Nebo for a while, but then I just, I haven't been taking my iPad to work because I just, I'm, I'm going rogue. I'm just, you know, taking my glasses and my iPhone to work and not carrying anything else. Hmm. Yeah. So 
Greg, you had posted this a couple of weeks ago, and we never got around to talking about it, but here you are, and why don't you tell us about the uh, Stack Overflow Insights for 2017? It's the Stack Overflow Developer Survey Results 2017. So I believe every year Stack Overflow sends out a survey to the you know every developer in the world who uses Stack Overflow, which is probably everybody, and then some people fill it out and talk about who they are, where they live, uh, I think there's like salary and what kind of job they have and all that kind of stuff. So again, they've released this, I believe, I could have sworn we talked about this. Tim, are you sure we didn't? I don't think we did. Okay. Did we? Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I kind of remember saying how they... No, we, believe- no we, we were talking about, we were talking about um, Swift getting into the top 10. Oh, of the Tayobi index. Talking. All right. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, Maybe we so- talked about this last year. We did talk about this last year as well. Yeah, yeah of course. It is yeah. an annual survey. Yeah. Uh, I wish they maybe, I don't know if they have the here, but I wish they had like a diff to say what changed from last year to this year. Hmm. Um, anyway, as usual, I'll just kind of scroll through some, some of the highlights. Web developer is like the number one job. So that is still apparently a very popular job. The web is here to stay. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, experience levels tend to be pretty, there's no like, oh, people here are noobs or something like that. It's pretty... Not evenly, but there's not a non-normal distribution, as Mark would say, between like new all the way up to, you know, 20 years. And then, of course, 20 or more years actually has a giant spike. But if you actually mapped out year by year how much experience, I think it would be a pretty even distribution. So that was kind of, I guess, shouldn't be surprising because everybody uses Stack Overflow, right? I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, years- what year was 20 years ago? 1997? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. No comment. Okay. <laughs> what was nineteen ninety seven? That was twenty years ago. That was you know, 20 I, years I started ago. working in PHP in nineteen ninety nine. So I started so I working in, before that. All right, I'll, I'll admit it. I started working in Basic in nineteen eighty one. I did. I had my first job in Fortran. That was around. Uh, it was around nineteen ninety seven. So yeah. there it is. Wow, um, you're old, man. Uh, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Uh, so that's years since learning to code. Pretty even distribution. Years coding professionally ha- does have a not quite a bell curve, but maybe a little bit, and it, that tends to skew to like one to three years. Let's say is the giant is the is the big kind of hump of the bell. So a lot of um, relatively new pe- people who have been coding professionally. It's relatively new people in there. Um, and then I think there's the usual demographics. Of course, heavily skewed to males. Eighty eight point six percent of the respondents uh, were men. So. That's a lot. Yep. Uh, Does that mean that women don't use Stack Overflow? Maybe they're smarter and they don't, or there are just fewer women. I suspect there are fewer women. Uh, a really interesting, I don't know what you would call this, like a scatter plot, maybe? And I, I, swear, I swear I've spoken about this. This is why I'm thinking I'm having almost deja vu. Ooh. Anyway, this maps different kind of jobs, mobile, mobile developer, database administrator, systems administrator, and then the higher the dot is on this um, two-by-two chart, the more men there are relatively speaking so if you're near the bottom uh, i mean the scale is still pretty horrible like web developer there are a lot of web developers but it's still like i don't know maybe 12x is the ratio between men and women and that's mm-hmm. like near the bottom the bottom the scale starts at 11.3x that's the bottom of the scale so that just tells you how skewed yeah the um the gender breakdown is here mobile developers, developers is in decent shape that's actually pretty pretty, pretty respectable i mean again if you think 12x is like right, i mean that's right that by this standard it's excellent but yeah I think just yep. by yeah anyway way way at the top systems administrator it's like 32x we're talking <laughs> so on stack overflow at least 32 times as many men than women report they are systems administrators so it's kind of interesting to Ooh. see where where things are um where things are spread out uh and i think of course the part that i was interested down there was about languages and what people are yeah, doing the most love most love languages rust small talk typescript swift is number four 
Mm-hmm. Go, Python's number six. Yep, C-sharp is seven or eight. JavaScript is in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the, hev- the heavy skew towards web development means that JavaScript is, like, way, way, way up there. Uh, they also have a languages over time, which does remind me of the Tyobi index thing, if that's how you pronounce it. And JavaScript is sort of on a increasing trend, 57% up to 62 over, what is this, five years? Ruby is pretty flat, you know, Java, C, Sharp, C++ are down slightly, which is Sadly, Objective-C is down a little bit. Objective-C is halved, right? So if you look at yeah. it, 11% to 6%. Like this, Statistics are small numbers, curve, though. Yeah, the slope of the curve is doesn't look that bad, but if you look at the absolute numbers, it's like 11% to 6%. It's like halved. Yeah. So it's a pretty... Um, and that relative terms, if that's relative... Is that right? Yes, relative terms, it's it's a pretty big um, pretty big decrease. So Top-paying top technology is kind of interesting, too, if you look at that one um, halfway down. Um, in the U.S., Objective-C is like the number three um, wage thing, and Swift is sort of up there as well. I mean, Go, um, Scala, Objective-C are effectively tied, right? It's like 110, yeah, 109, yeah. so they're pretty yeah. close. CoffeeScript, yeah, then, number four, and I almost don't believe that. I thought Coffee, CoffeeScript was dead, to be honest. You're looking under U.S., yeah, wait, right? Yeah. Which yeah. one are you looking at? Oh, U.S., okay. Yeah. Wow, CoffeeScript. There's no stats from uh, France or Germany, really, in this sense, but yeah. Um, but it's just so yeah. interesting the difference in, in wages between worldwide and U.S. and U.K., right? Yeah, the highest paying job worldwide is closure, which, again, is, I guess, a little surprising. I'm, I'm, now I'm like, what is the sample size here? Like, was yeah. it like one closure person who's making $72,000? Anyway, closure, top of the list, <laughs> worldwide. But U.S., top of the list, Go, Scala, Objective-C, CoffeeScript, Pearl. Good old Pearl making a showing. I love to see that. Um, but I guess the numbers are pretty... Like you have to like even the bottom of the list for the U.S. is seventy five thousand dollars, and the top of the list worldwide is seventy two thousand dollars. So there is a large discrepancy there. So what is Clojure and what is CoffeeScript? Clojure is the it's a Lisp based language that runs on the JVM. Oh, okay. I think, um, and CoffeeScript is a, yeah. CoffeeScript is like a uh, a super library for JavaScript that adds extra features. Yeah, okay. Right. 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 Kind of like. TypeScript. I guess TypeScript is, I thought, more popular these days, where you write TypeScript and then it gets transformed into JavaScript and then executed. So CoffeeScript was kind of like that. Um, Yeah. So that's the pay. And then what what else? The employment as well. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Lots of people employed full time. Yeah. That is the the large majority uh, in the 70s. But interestingly enough, more people are employed full time in the U.S., compared to, I think, most of the rest of the world. Not by a lot, maybe like five points difference we're talking. I think employed full-time mm-hmm. in the U.S. is 76.7%, but in, I believe, Germany was the lower at 67%. So slightly, you know, again, it's like a five-point difference. I don't know how significant that is, but you have more part-time employment in, um, seems to be in Europe. There's an interesting cluster diagram in here, too, saying what uh, what technologies are correlated to other technologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of cool. I'm not sure... It has any great insights in there, but it's but it's interesting to see. It's basically con- there's there's a bunch of different islands of connected languages, and so there's there's the mobile one, where you have you know a, a subcluster with iOS, Objective C, Xcode, Swift, Mac OS uh, connected to Android, uh, which is in its own little cluster with Android Studio and Java and Eclipse and SQLite is that's kind of surprising that it's there. Uh, and then there's this kind of tail that uh, that goes off with IntelliJ, Scala, Spark, Hadoop, all the functional languages. I'm not sure why they're connected in that way, but uh, 
Oh yeah, it's it's interesting. There's it, there's if you look to the left in the Microsoft cluster, there's actually Xamarin hmm. related to C sharp, but it's not connected right. to iOS at all. So it's, they didn't stick it's not it with perfect. the mobile stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of strange. Maybe they needed a, a third dimension to show some of the stuff in a good way. <laughs> I don't know how they'd render that on the website, but that would be good. Maybe right. if they use one of those new uh, Facebook AR things, if you turn your head, it goes to the other side or something like that. Yeah. If only There's we knew my... someone who worked there could tell us about that. There's my one Facebook mention. <laughs> um, salary and experience by developer type. And so the x-axis is number of years of professional experience, and the y-axis going up is salary and so they draw a line and they say generally speaking the more experience you have the more you get paid and so the big clusters are sort of you know within plus or minus some percent of the of the line but if you look at the outliers that's where the interesting stuff is right so if you're below the line then that means that you have a more experience but you're being being paid sort of less and so things like graphic graphics programming database administrator is there but mark will like this way an outlier on the other side so you're getting paid more even though you don't have as many years is on its own way out there machine learning specialist yeah. so that is again that's one of those data points where it's like what kind of things are in demand and that is a definite outlier with i would say the average so the average machine learning specialist has let's say seven years oh total they have about seven years of professional programming experience but the salary that they're making is more on par if you follow the linear the line the standard line you would be more on par as somebody who has like 10 years maybe or plus 10 years of experience so you would get sort of a quote-unquote three-year jump in salary i'm making air quotes here uh, just by being a machine learning specialist so again nice to see the trends and where the needs are going to be nobody's really way off on the underpaid like they're very close to the the zone so nobody's really underpaid but uh, machine learning specialist definitely sticks out yeah i think that one is very explainable in that the machine learning specialist is is explainable in that it's very hot right now Mm -hmm. uh, because people are using it for all sorts of new applications that have only become possible in the last few years uh so that probably contributes to the lower amount of experience uh to get that salary too because mm-hmm. there's nobody there's not too many people around who've been doing it for much longer yeah uh, but also it, it tends to be kind of mathematically difficult to do that stuff and so you tend to get people uh, with advanced degrees and and um, you know so it, it, it takes a little bit more experience and and, and maybe how do I say it's you know a little bit more um, capability uh, to to specialize in that? So it sort of makes sense that they would get paid a little more. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the other two that are slightly above the zone are data scientists, and this is yep. a mouthful. Developer with a statistics or mathematics background. Those are right. also slightly yep. above hmm. the zone for um, average yep. salary, I guess. So yep. yeah, study your math. If you were one of those kids yep. who in high schools asked your math teacher, "When am I ever going to use this?" and complained, well, I'll bet those people who studied are laughing now, getting paid more than you are <laughs> not really i'm just kidding interesting that devops is way up there and mobile developers way down at the bottom at the beginning it's yeah. at least on the line it's trending on the line though so it's like it's like oh, average, yeah, yeah, yeah. average pay right. for the number of years of experience that's all yeah i think uh, devops is is another hot field right now so mm-hmm. so that's not surprising and mobile developer has has gotten kind of saturated in the last couple of years um mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are doing mobile development, so that that will tend, especially you know overseas, that will tend to drive the salaries down. Sure, sure. It's funny when I first went by this graph, it's kind of like it looks like a belt, the belt of the Milky Way to me. You know, just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Database administrator, I'm a little surprised at that low because that's always traditionally one of the 
the hotter fields. I assumed it was just like a lot of the work isn't neat. I don't know. Do you, do you need someone to go in and vacuum the database like you had to in the old days? Maybe not that so much. I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah. do database stuff anymore either, but I assumed it was something like that. But Well, know. you know, it, it's actually a good point. You know, it used to be everyone had their own data centers in-house, and, and so mm-hmm. you'd have your own database people managing that in-house. But now that a lot of it's been shipped off to AWS or yeah, or Google or Cloud or whatever, or, where, yeah. where there's kind of turnkey solutions for a lot of the database systems. And so maybe you don't need as much of a specialist for that anymore it's very possible good old postgres vacuum i do miss those days <laughs> i don't know what, what else you guys had the last thing i had was way at the bottom near or sort of near the bottom was um sorry i've lost it now oh so the little trivia bits at the bottom how do you pronounce gif GIF. the yeah, format yeah. and hard g gif wins and mm-hmm. the other interesting one was tabs or spaces tabs 42.9 percent spaces 37.8 and the truly crazy folks both 19.3 percent so i don't know how i can live in a world where tabs outranks spaces but there it is well, really you're a on. spaces guy Greg? i'm a spaces guy you want oh. it to be consistent across people's screens so you do spaces <laughs> everybody should why what do you mean i do why would you not want it to be consistent that's just that's just madness so yes spaces uh, i could have sworn there was some they cut the data and they said more experienced people use spaces and less experienced people use tabs do you guys remember mm. that i forget what survey that was but i remember there was something like that well wow. maybe that was last year's stack Over- anyway i remember somebody cut the data and they found that the more experienced you are the less the more likely you are to use spaces so i took that as a good sign mm, nothing else. okay <laughs> so uh those are some of the highlights but uh it's a lot of interesting trivia understanding sort of the on the practical side understanding the industry that we work in uh what kind of folks are there what technologies are maybe on the upswing what's on the downswing what are people hiring for um if you want to get down to numbers you know where are the highest salaries if you want to optimize mm-hmm. for that and so just like the tyobi index this kind of thing is interesting to me in um data of course it's all survey and you know self-selected blah 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 you have to go through the usual caveats but it's an interesting data set anyway so i always enjoy scrolling through this kind of thing Hmm, interesting so moving on we have um i saw this earlier today i didn't uh, put it in the notes but uh, apple i guess it's today they just released um all the iwork and uh, their apps are all free on both platforms ios and mac right that's uh Mm -hmm. so the iwork numbers or not iwork uh, sorry numbers pages yeah. yeah, and then I uh, like but also, is the other one you're thinking. Yeah, but also, I like, also, I like it's uh, been free for a long time though. Yeah, but Garage GarageBand and iMovie, I think uh, GarageBand was almost a few bucks. And, and this, but this isn't just for people of purchases of new equipment. This is for everybody. So I even people running on Hackintoshes can can run this stuff now. Apparently, yeah, it was always a strange thing where if you bought a Mac, then they would come pre-installed, so you were good. Right, but then right. if you for whatever reason uninstalled it and then tried to install them again, it would be like ask you for your Apple. ID password but then right right yeah. it would know that this is your new mac but then on the other machine it wouldn't work it was a very strange situation because they they were effectively free because except for hackintosh how else are you going to get a mac like of course you bought one so it was like doesn't that mean everybody is eligible for these apps yeah, but, like, you why know, can I not but there was a but, there was a date yeah. it was i think uh, late 2013 when they became free so if you right. own a machine from earlier than that which i actually do uh they, you, you can't get them for free but now you can. Right, so now, right. even for the old machines, you can get them for free. But I've, I've even had problems with with because I image, you know, I, I migrate cl- accounts from one machine to a newer one, yeah. and I've had issues with um, GarageBand and things like that, or iCloud or iPages and, and Keynote numbers because I migrated an old profile onto a newer Mac, and it doesn't recognize the Mac; it recognizes the profile, right? Mm, so, mm. yeah, I guess it's the Apple ID, something or other. You got some old preference in there that it looks at or whatever. 
Mm. Yeah, weird. But that's good. I mean, it's good. It's all it's all free, all good. Yep, it makes sense. I mean, they were definitely. I I heard a long time ago there was some accounting reason why they couldn't actually give it away for free. Like when they were like, oh. remember there was that battery firmware update and they charged like a dollar for it or something. Do you remember that? I forget exactly Ooh, what it no. was, but there was some firmware update and they had to charge and they had some accounting reason. Maybe I'm getting the story wrong, but anyway, I always assumed it was something like that. Like they couldn't give it away for free for whatever. Well, it was reason, like the but... the Apple Apple TV developer kit they had to charge a dollar for for some strange reason remember that yeah this was a software thing that i'm remembering though but um mm. anyway it's it's kind of it's probably a way of tracking it or something like that i guess right i think it's been effectively free for most people and most people were probably surprised that they couldn't go download it and again if it's on your account that you own it then i signed into my other machine from before 2013 why can't i download it it was just weird so i'm glad they're getting rid of it and it's just going to be consistent but the <laughs> flip side is that apple is making these you know relatively well polished i won't call them pro apps but productivity apps free which is maybe not setting the best example for everybody else on the store who's trying to make money off of the app store which is always mm. a, consi- uh, yeah. a problem that's coming up so and, it's, it, and it also you know, potentially doesn't bode well for for maintenance and upkeep of the software we might be stuck with these versions with very few updates forever going forward yeah i think ever since they put them in the mac app store they've been pretty good like it used to be iwork got like an annual update, but yep. I think they've been updating them pretty regular. I have to go back in the records and look, but I think they've been pretty good about updates. So I hope that continues. But if you wanted to make yeah, your own so. music editing app for pros, not the prosumers, but for, you know, whatever is below prosumer, normal consumers, then you would have a tough time, I think, doing it considering GarageBand is like free for everybody now. Right, right. Well, I mean, competitively speaking, like as podcasters, you can actually do your podcast and do your mixing and stuff like that in GarageBand. Mm-hmm. The next step up from that is Logic Pro, right? So mm-hmm. a very similar look and feel. But uh, there are a lot of people who start out uh, po- podcasting. Not suggesting you guys should do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's good. And, and also, you know, maybe it's also has to do with uh, with getting productivity apps into the hands of people and not trying to let them go to the other camp, you know? So mm. All right. Uh, let's see. There's one more thing here. Oh, so you put something here about self-driving car, Greg? There was a story that mm. they had to file some paperwork. Kind of reminds me of patents. Whenever Apple files for, you know, the records come out and it's like they filed for a patent for a phone with, you know, multi-touch display on the back. And everyone's like, oh my God, iPhone 8, multi-touch display on the back. And they get all excited. But, you know, of course, Apple files for all kinds of weird patents. That, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to ship for the next release. So right. I think this is similar-ish, but... Since you want to drive a car on the street, you need to get some kind of permit or approval or whatever it is with the government. And so Apple has filed that, and they are on the list of companies who are interested. I have to go back and read the story again. But they are on the list of companies who are, like, testing self-driving cars on the street or something like that so they filed the paperwork right. again that doesn't necessarily mean it kind of but well i think this means more than the patents the patents are like any wild idea you think of the company tells you the patent is, and so that i think means very little but this seems a little bit more substantial because it's like companies don't just say you know what we should do just for fun just in case we should file all the paperwork to test cars on the roads in california that seems like a lot of work compared to filing right, a patent, right. getting some drawings for a patent that's relatively easy. This seems like much more work, and it's sort of a where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. So uh, as the subheading of this article says, the Apple car is alive, whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, it's Google, Uber, Beidou, NVIDIA. Uh, <laughs> that's maybe pronounced wrong. And Tesla, of course, are on the list. 
for yeah. those who are driving at home. Yeah. I mean, NVIDIA does make a lot of those um, uh, like ARM-based chips. So maybe they're testing something. I yeah. don't know. But that I guess I can believe. Mm. Baidu seems like a strange one. I think they're like the Chinese Twitter, aren't they? If I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe this, the serve, no, no, Baidu. Baidu, Baidu. Oh, Baidu. <laughs> Baidu, I think. No, is ba- like, Baidu. They are a big the company. Chi- but they're I like the Chinese Google. The Chinese Google. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. Then I take it back. Then that, that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense. If they're anything like American Google, I mean. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> So my wife, I was going to say my wife once we were, we were on a vacation together in Calgary and then I came home a week earlier and she stayed to help with the family, blah, blah, blah. But she lost her phone somewhere and we had to use find my phone to locate her phone. It was interesting watching the phone travel around, um, Calgary, even, even when the battery was like dead, like it was not (laughs) charging, which leads us into our next story, which is Greg's brought again about Coachella and find my phone. I was going to say, great segue. I was just going to let it, let yeah, it not you. even mention on it. That was good. There is a story from SF Gates, which is a local San Francisco news aggregating thing, I think. And the title is Coachella Festgoer, who allegedly stole 100 smartphones thwarted by Find My iPhone feature. So it's kind of funny where this one person apparently stole a bunch of phones at Coachella because there's a lot of people there. And they lifted apparently 100 phones and I guess was carrying them in a giant bag or something like that. And and a bunch of people turned on Find My iPhone, presumably on the second device or a friend's device, and said, hey, my phone is right there. And they pointed. They're like, hey, it's that guy over there. And then 10 other people using Find My iPhone all pointed at the same guy saying, hey, that's my phone. That guy stole it. And then I hope the person wasn't like attacked or something like that. I'm not sure what happened, but they recovered 100 phones. The article I read said that security, they called security and they stopped them okay. and restrained them until the police had come. Okay, that's a that's a that's a nice ending. Better than what good. I better yeah. than what I imagine could happen at a large <laughs> music festival with a lot of people pointing at somebody who stole your mobile devices. A hundred, possibly a hundred people and their friends. So that sounds like a pretty good ending. So there's a very good photo yeah. of all of these devices, hundred ish on a table. So yeah, right. impressive that you could steal. It's gonna that be a pretty heavy bag, eh? You would think because that's a. I mean, there were some like <laughs> phablets on this table, so that's amazing. Anyway, um, and yeah. the guy was too dumb to turn them all off after he stole them. I guess you got to steal yeah, it and true. he just throws in the bag and walks away and then he's got to go back and turn them all yeah. off. That's a, that's a lot of work. Although, I don't know, if you're going to steal phones, I mean, come on, do it do it right. Yeah. But there's a pro tip for you phone thieves out there. Turn them off. Right. And then, uh, yeah, maybe yep. we should cut yep. that out and not give advice. <laughs> anyway, it was a funny story and so, uh, following my iPhone to the rescue. And I assume this also helped recover some non-Apple devices too, right? Yes, of so course. That's it, true. It, good point. It helps everybody. It is. It's for the greater good. So is Coachella happening now? Is this like a recent story or? I think Coachella's over. I think, I think it was so. over the weekend. I don't know. Um, oh, so it was just, it was, yeah, it's pretty recent. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was from this I past can never, weekend. I can, yeah, I can never tell with Coachella and Burning Man and, you know, who knows. Yeah, it's I know. All of my uh, hipster friends posted on their um, Instagram stories or something. So I saw a lot of Coachella stuff, not hipster right. friends, the famous people oh, nice. I follow on Instagram all posted. So that's oh, how I even, that's how I even know it was, it was going on. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We're, um, we've reached the uh, pinnacle, I think here, right? That was pretty quick. Yeah. The pinnacle. That's a good word. Yeah. The, sh- the shows have been, uh, have been short lately. Did you guys talk about the Mac pro and that whole thing? 
I don't remember you guys talking about that too much. We did talk we did. about the Mac Pro, but but I heard today there was some grumblings about um, maybe it was, J- yeah, it was on, on Daring Fireball. There was a story today about written by Justin Williams, I think, about what yes, he wanted that's to what see I have in the Mac here. Pro. Uh, it's called a software developer's Mac Pro. Yeah, right. So um, I thought that so was it wasn't Daring. Fi- I think Daring Fireball might have linked to it, but uh, you know, I, yes, they I did. Yeah, that's where I, I saw it. I don't read Daring Fireball anymore, so um, I've got it right at the source here. Uh, oh, I see. So you pasted it here. Okay, you're just yeah. pasting this live. As we, t- as we talk, make us look all bad. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, I guess it was, so, so did Apple actually say that there was going to be six um, people they were targeting for, or was it they were only tar- targeting five and he put the sixth in as, as software developers? Do you know? Um, yes. When they talked about pro users, I think they just kind of rattled off, you know, oh yeah, video editors, graphic designers, you know, people who need have heavy processing needs like scientists and this and that. And then um, everybody's favorite, Craig Federighi, jumped in and said, and developers, too, because Xcode is pro software. So I believe that's sort of what, what was oh, said. Oh, he did. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, this was kind of interesting to me because I, I do or I am getting a Mac Pro, like a trash can at work. And I'm going to start using one just to try mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how good it's going to be with the compile speeds and whatnot, but I figure it's got to be better than... The- than my the old one Pro. which old one it's the old one that's been out for a couple of years yeah the lame one. one yeah 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 not not one of the I've, I've refreshed used one. ones you have okay. i've used one okay and it was it was no better than my 2013 macbook pro i've heard that so it makes me a little bit sad yeah i, I was sad too <laughs> okay i but, thought at uh, least i, I wouldn't trade more in. memory i have been running into you know your mac is out of memory you should force quit something once in a while i got that i don't know maybe i have too many tabs open and i have xcode open and uh, mm. i don't know so i have it it kind of comes and goes i get that issue and then i just close a bunch of stuff and then it's okay again but once in a while it keeps doing that and i just need to restart so i thought maybe having 64 gigs of ram would you know that's four times as much as i have in my mac oh, pro that, right, that would yeah. help yeah, yeah. um i don't know the fans well, up, it might help doing, for that it might help for that but, but for doing compiling... builds and things like that me yeah not so much you mean I, it wasn't was. that much of an improvement oh no it didn't help it didn't help so much no not so okay. much no nope. i mean just look at the raw clock speed it was i think the one i have or i'll be getting is a three gigahertz uh six core or something mm-hmm. like that and i figured my yep. current what's the processor is, what? it's a xeon e5 i don't know don't don't quote me on that whatever i mean the thing hasn't changed configuration in four years so whatever it is although they just got refreshed right but, right uh, whatever the original one i think it's the six core one is the one that um that we have in stock so anyway mm-hmm. just the raw clock speed is higher it's like three whereas my 15-inch MacBook Pro is like 2.7 or something like that. So it's a little bit more clock speed, you know, two more cores, although maybe that doesn't matter as much. More RAM. I think the SSD actually may be slower or on par. I don't think it's actually faster. But anyway, I figure something's got to be better, right? I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm, I'm setting mm-hmm. myself up for disappointment. The one thing that was surprising... Well, yeah, used to let write, us know. Report back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you the writing one, Objective-C still, though, Craig? It is Objective-C, mostly Objective-C, so I figure that will... Uh, I yeah, then you'll be fine. Swift, it's a, it's Swift a Swift issues. compiling that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> okay, so I'll report no, back. I, I have, I have heard I that. So, so for me, the, the biggest bottleneck at the time was compiling storyboards. And, right. Yeah. And they, yeah. They were very slow to compile, and it it would compile the the whole storyboard in one shot. So it couldn't do any kind of distributed builds or parallel builds. So having multiple threads or multiple cores doesn't help you at all for that. You're just waiting right. for it to crunch right. through that huge XML file and and, uh, and build a storyboard. So okay. now now that we have you know the the ability to to do multiple storyboards much more easily with storyboard references and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. maybe it'll be better now because then that work can be spread out. But at the time, and this wasn't even that long ago. This was two years ago. At the time, it, it wasn't. Uh, 
it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, small improvement in the clock speed, much more memory. I think I'd have to look at the SSD performance, but I think it's either maybe even worse or on par, so I don't think there's a big speed up there. Because um, I know the Mac yeah. Pros, the SSDs in there have been getting very, very fast. Um, so yeah, overall, we'll see. The one surprising thing, I picked up a Mac Pro. They are heavier than you would think. I, I don't, for whatever reason. Yeah, they are. Really? <laughs> you wow. see them and you think, oh, that thing's like picking up a, you know, like a literal plastic trash can. But they are heavy. I don't know how heavy they are, but I don't know. What do you think? And wait till you fill it with liquid pounds, nitrogen. 10 pounds or something like that? Yeah. Like, it's so compact. It's got like... The liquid nitrogen. You know, <laughs> yeah. The, the density well, of a neutron star or something like that. They're so heavy. Yeah. Right. That's why it's got that rim around the top, so you can pour the liquid nitrogen, nitrogen in it and cool it down more and make it go faster. Don't do this at home, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was at the WWDC where they announced that baby, and they had um, they had these cylindrical display think cases where they had them, and they and they had the the cover lifted off, so you could see it was like a solid chunk of metal with you know bits and pieces hanging off of it, right? So yeah, yeah. I think I mean the whole structure of the case is like a giant heat sink, so I can imagine how it's. Yeah, lots of metal in there, and it's very heavy. But anyway, it was heavy. It was heavier than it looked. I never picked one up before, and I picked it up, and I was surprised. So yeah, there's my Mac Pro story. I will report back once I get it and yeah. see. But yep. other yep. people at work do have them, and they say it's either marginal or you know the same. Depends on what people are doing. Some people say it's great, but I've heard yeah. best reviews. But you know, yeah. I'm going to try it out. Are you getting a shiny new one, or are you getting a hand me down from somebody? I am getting a hand me down. Oh, okay. All right. So that uh, maybe smooths the path towards you getting a new fancy one in a few months, though, right? Because I already what, have one. Once you've got the hand me down, um, once you've got the hand me down, it's yeah. easy to upgrade to the brand new. Yeah, he's one the new guy around. at work. Don't forget, though. I'm <laughs> not the but, new guy. At but work. he won't be by then. By the time these things come out, he won't be. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, I already have a desktop. Anyway. So, or, or it could go the other way. They could say, Well, you already have a desktop, and once these fancy ones come out, we need to give them to everybody else because you know you already have. Well, them. that's true. Yeah. That's You've true. already been living that's the life of 64 gigs, so uh, mm-hmm, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try it out. Okay. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, slower builds. That's what can the happen. The worst. The worst that can happen is slower builds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't need that in my life, so I will. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a stopwatch and I'm gonna time it for sure. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Um. So yeah. Now, now are we at the pinnacle and we can go to picks? I think so. It's Unless all downhill from last, the pinnacle, so bit. sure. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes we have some interesting pick sessions. All right, so uh, Mark, you have a pick today. Why don't you? I've actually got a couple uh, picks. Uh, one yeah. of them is an article uh, by. Uh, hold on, I'm just clicking on it to get the name. By Ben Brooks at Martian Craft, called mm-hmm. "Analyzing Third-Party Libraries," and I really love this article because it it really reflected my thinking pretty much to the letter about third-party libraries. So if you know me, you know that I'm not really a big fan of third-party libraries. And and if I see a code base with lots and lots and lots of third-party libraries and lots and lots of pods, uh, I think that something's wrong. So, and, and why is that? Well, third-party libraries are good in the short term as a time saver. They can get you up and going fast, but they can be maintenance nightmares. And I've inherited a lot of projects where there's some third-party library in there that's no longer supported and it's broken. It doesn't work with the latest version. Or they went in and hacked the source code so you can't even update to the latest version. And it's just a mess taking care of that. And it's just, it's not worth the trouble for something that you could just write yourself. So I'm kind of of the opinion that if you can write it yourself, Saving a little bit of time is not a good reason to not write it yourself, uh, because I think in the long run, you'll lose that time. So really, the only good reason, I think, for using a third-party library is if it's something that you just can't do yourself. Like, for example, the Facebook SDK. You don't have the access to all the authentication and stuff that, that they have buried inside there, so you can't write your own Facebook SDK. For things like that, sure, of course, you have to use it, or PayPal or something like that. 
Uh, but otherwise, I think you shouldn't use it. And, and in this article, he makes a, a real good point that uh, it's it's best to, to not be of the mindset where if somebody wants, somebody that you're working with wants to use a third-party library, you shouldn't have the mindset that you have to convince them not to use it. Uh, you should have the mindset that they have to convince you why you should use that third-party library and why can't you just write it yourself. And that saves time in the long run. And it sounds like uh, from the article, Martian Craft uh, does does this very much. That's their same philosophy. So give the article a read, and I think uh, hopefully it'll convert someone, because I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be writing security stuff yourself, though. Encryption, that's what you're not supposed to write yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, there are there are some areas, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was my pick about that. All right. No argument there. No arguments. I expect at least expected some... some uh, Heated discussion, no? No, I mean, no. well, I mean, you know, I, I, the only thing I, I could see being the heated discussion would be going back to the team and saying, okay, now sell me on why you need to do this, because right, right. there are a lot of different reasons why people use third-party libraries. and, and yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of reversing the justification to why do you yeah. want yeah, to yeah, use yeah. it, not mm-hmm. why should we not use it. It's like, no, the onus is on you who wants to bring this code in to tell us why right, we shouldn't right. do that. So I like, I like that kind of reversal. And, I mean, there's a lot of smart people at well, Minecraft. So, I, I can say that um, w- one thing that I've sort of been struggling with for the last little while is, is JSON parsing in Swift, right? I mean, every time I turn around, there's some tutorial or some piece or somebody wants to use this framework or that framework or whatever to do this easy peasy, you know, one click wonder JSON parsing. And yet, you know, I've gone through JSON parsing a number of times and I don't see, you know, if, unless you have a super complicated need or something like that, but I don't, like Mark says, I've, I've always, you know, I listened to Mark when he told me about it and looked at it and gone through it a few times myself. And I don't see the reason to use third-party libraries to do JSON parsing, right? Now, when Swift, when Swift first came out, JSON parsing was a little bit ugly because of of all the the optionals and, and it wasn't, it wasn't really worked out how optionals really are going to work at the time in, in Swift 1. So so figuring out how to cast your things into what you really want it to be was, I remember, being kind of tricky. But mm-hmm. now it seems it's fine. It's easy. You know, there's, I, I can't imagine using a third-party library for that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a big debate, though, right? Yep. Yep. There's your argument. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yep. All right, what else you got for us? Uh, the other one is a just a review or a report, I guess is a better word, about a... Uh, iOS developer, Silicon Valley iOS developer meetup, which was on Monday uh, here in uh, in San Mateo, which is about halfway between San Jose and and San Francisco. And uh, yeah, this is a a meetup that happens, you know, once a month or so, and it's usually on a different topic um, every time. And uh, this time, the general topic was IoT and technologies for IoT, specifically uh, Bluetooth LE, which we've talked about a little bit. And there were two presenters, actually giving three talks, but two presenters. Uh, the first one was Charles Choi, talking about uh, Core Bluetooth and Bluetooth LE, uh, and his library well, library that he's written for that. Uh, so first he talks about a, a library that he's put together for, for making Core Bluetooth a little bit easier. Uh, and then he the, his second talk uh, was, he had two mini talks, kind of. Uh, the second one was some tips about using Core Bluetooth, which were pretty interesting. Then the second talk was by Ramin Farzuli. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the name, I'll pronounce the name wrong, but Ramin Faruzli uh, or something like that. I pronounce, sorry if I pronounce it Faruzli. I probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, this one was kind of interesting. This is a little bit different than your typical talk, uh, but 
and it, it was a it was a high level talk on doing over the air updates of firmware for your hardware, which is something that probably not too many people listening to this ever think about or would have any reason to think about. But when you do think about have to think about it, when you do have to do it, he had some really interesting tips and tricks to not get yourself into trouble about it. For example, things like uh, you don't just want to download your update and then just write over the one that you have on your on your hardware because if something goes wrong then you're you're screwed and that's sort of obvious but but he makes a point that you should actually have four different versions on there uh one is the version you're updating one is the encrypted version of the one you just downloaded one is the unencrypted version of the one you just downloaded and one is a factory emergency reset version just in case something goes completely wrong so you have have to have enough uh space on your on your hardware to store these four different versions of your firmware at the same time to be completely safe and secure. So he's got a whole bunch of tips like that, and it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, read. The slides are, are posted online, so check it out. Um, you never know when you might have to do this kind of thing. Cool. All right. Okay, that's it. Craig, do you have a pick, or no, you don't have a pick? I do have a pick. It's a it's a secret last minute pick, oh. as I as I like to do. Oh, okay, okay. So I'll do I'll do my two, I'll do my two lame picks first. Then, um, so one pick I stole totally stole from Matthias um, today was or yesterday was uh, I saw this link that he posted here about um, archival software on archive.org, and initially I thought it was just a listing of old software titles like Dark Castle and Lemmings, and um, you know these are all the old black and white uh, Mac days load runner mac right uh, most of these titles i still have the, the floppy disk for like crystal quest and things like that but what and if you click on any one of these links here like dark castle it takes you to a, a, a page which gives you more information about the publisher what year was published you know 1986 silicon beach software that kind of stuff but there's a little power button and when you click it it actually starts up a macintosh a 6800k emulator hmm. and you can actually play the game like there's actually a little floppy disk that you double click on the floppy disk and open the app just like you would back in the day and play these games on your in your browser um with sound and the whole nine yards uh, as if you were working on a mac on an ancient mac so you know now hopefully my my grandson will stop taking my old Macs out of their uh, sealed boxes and playing with them, and he can try out the old lame software the way we used to have to do back in the day. So it's kind of uh, cool. They've got, cool. Uh, they've got Dark Castle in there. Yeah, yeah, Dark Castle. Yeah, they Load Runner, Mac Missiles, which was like a missile command. Uh, they had a helicopter thing. I w- I'm kind of wondering if, if people can upload games to this uh, system because uh, I've got a bunch of them here that I have archived that might be interesting to see. But, yeah, and I was kind of wondering if there's other... Uh, there are across the very bottom. I saw that there were some Windows uh, titles as well. So I think they have other emulators there as well. But it's kind of, kind of neat that you can actually check out the old Mac uh, software. Yeah. They've got Wizardry on there, which I used to play on the Apple II yeah. before the Mac even came out. Oh look, there's Frogger too. <laughs> yeah. Space Invaders, of course. I have that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Rogue. I wonder if that's the same Rogue. There was a. Yeah, I think it is. There was this old. Um, yeah, I'm reading the description now. Rogue was originally developed around 1980 for Unix-based mainframe systems, and it was it was an ASCII graphics game, but it was multiplayer. So so anyone who was logged into the network, right, right, uh, could uh, and of course that meant they were all sitting in the same room in a big computer company back then. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you could actually play against each other, and you you know your character would be literally just an ASCII character uh, on the screen that you could move around with the arrow keys and you know fight monsters and stuff like that. State of the art back yeah. then. Yeah, there was a Star Trek game like that too. I remember hearing about um, people could play on their network as well. 
I never did see it, though. Never did get to see it. And that's my first pick. The second pick is uh, a pick I found earlier in the week, and that's the 17 Xcode tips and tricks that every iOS developer should know, some of which I'm proud to say I already did know, but some I didn't, which was kind of neat. Um, sort of all the keyboard references for opening and closing different uh, panes in your Xcode environment. Uh, what else was there? There's 17 of them. Um, and copying symbol names, uh, shortcuts for hiding things. Um, lice cap, which I think we've talked about before, which is a, a way of animating, um, gifts, um, things like deciding which there's a keyboard command to tell when you want to open a particular uh, file, whether it's going to open up in the, in the standard editor or in the assistant editor, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys have looked at this at all. Navigator pane stuff as well. What else? Open well the open quickly dialogue, which I see a lot of people use. Some of the things that, that uh, our friend of the show Jack Wu does a lot in his talks on Xcode uh, optimization. You know, Command Shift J when you're inside a file, but you want to open it in the Project Navigator. Command Shift J will uh, will open it over there as well. So kind of cool little uh, shortcuts for developers to work with Xcode. Thoughts? Sounds good. Tips I always like good. tip listicles so good pick there you go listicle (laughs) all righty uh okay so now it's time for the secret drum roll please (laughs) (laughs) oh there's two uh stealth uh picks here by greg here i have to match mark i did have three originally but one was an app i haven't used uh, that for now so we won't talk about it yeah i'm not not high me come on yeah that's true true. (laughs) i got two two short picks one is um i've been looking into swift and swift evolution and that kind of thing a lot more this past week or so and uh the there is a abi stability dashboard on swift.org so it's just a nice layout Uh of what the task is they're categorized data layout metadata uh, type mangling runtime stuff that kind of thing and then they all have links to the trapping tracking bug which is on jira and then jira often has commits linked to it so you can see um, things that are in progress. So if you're interested in Swift, the whole ABI stability project, then it's just a nice single page that you can see, you know, dashboard style to see what the status of these things are. So I, you know, I just like the organization of it. So if you're interested, it's just a page to um, bookmark and keep track of. And maybe they'll do a similar kind of thing for other large categories of bugs or large um, Swift projects that come up in the future. So that's the first pick. You can check it out. And then the second pick, so I guess, can I interject is, is here? Can I, interge- yeah, can I interject? Can I interject? Can I interject? Can I interject? Of course, of course. No, you can't. So, so we didn't talk about this at all, but uh, at, during RWDevCon, um, my article that I was slaved over for two months uh, called uh, Is Swift Ready for the Enterprise came out yes. um, right at the tail end of it. So it kind of got lost in the, the, the shuffle there. But one of the issues that a lot of people talked about in the... So what it was is an article where I, I basically surveyed um, about 20 or so de- developers at enterprises. I'll, I'll link to the, that article as as well, but one of the biggest points about uh, on the wish list of, of Swift is ABI stability. Um, that's one of the things that's holding back a lot of large teams from from being able to adopt uh, Swift because they're, they're worried about putting all this work into Swift three, and then you know Swift three point five comes out or four point oh, and who knows? They promised us that the grand renaming was the biggest change that they're going to make, but. Um, It'd be nice to have ABI stability for sure, right? I mean, that's nice also for people who want to ship like binary frameworks or something like that. So a lot of exactly, larger yeah. companies who don't have open source APIs want to do that. And so, um, you know, distributing that kind of thing is, is, is nice. I think a lot of companies do have that as a requirement. So yeah, something to look forward to. So this is, this will be good from, from, 
for those people who want to keep an eye on it, they can keep an eye on this page and see what, and like you said, look at the Jira tickets and, and see what, what the status is if they, as they make the decisions to move on with Swift, right? Yeah, and maybe even contribute. Why not? Put a comment on the Why bug, not? a useful comment on the bug, and maybe send a pull request, you know? Why not? Mm-hmm. Okay, so my second pick, I guess, is also an app. Oh, did you did you have something else to interject? Nope, nope. Oh, okay. So my, pack- <laughs> so my second pick also, I guess, is an app. It's uh, wwdc.family, which I believe was running last year, but it's a sort of giant uh, Find My Friends system, basically, where I think Find My Friends has a limit of the number of people, mm. and, um, well, because of, rightly so, because of privacy issues, you can, like, share your location only for an hour or until you get to a certain place or whatever. And so I believe there was something like this running last year where if you were at WWDC, you could download this thing and opt in to share your location. And then you could see like, where is everybody hanging out? Where are people going for lunch? And you know, what are people up to? What parties are people going to? That kind of thing. And so this is a uh, an app and a system for doing something like that, but at a slightly larger scale. So it's from uh, Felix Krause, who's the gentleman behind Fastlane. And he wrote this React Native and Firebase backend app. And the source code is available if you want to browse through. It's on GitHub as well. But it's going to be an app to um, share your location during the week of WWDC as we're all wandering around the wastelands of San Jose lost (laughs) and wondering where all the events are. You'll be able to fire up this app if you're willing to share your location. Then you can um, check out where everybody is. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to be in town and you're comfortable with it, um, I don't think Felix is going to steal your data and track you or anything like that. But um, you know, if you use this kind of thing last year or with your friends locally, then you can check this out. Now, it's interesting. They've got the screenshot here, and of course, it's showing these <laughs> San Jose Airport and San Jose area. And it's got, uh, it's got Greg Hero in there. It's got Chris Idov in there. It's got Kate. I think that might be Matt and Reese, um, Natasha the Robot. I'm just curious as to, I guess, actually, just actually, there's two versions of. of uh of Greg in here. Yeah, I know. This is his, his, his left ear true. as well. Yeah. His left ear, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think we have to call a foul on this. You weren't in two places at once. <laughs> so you think. Maybe it was two of my devices, though, you know? <laughs> maybe one maybe of his the guys guy from Coachella stole, stole my iPad. Yeah. Yeah. Stole Making a run for it. Okay. Totally. Totally. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, it's just a fun mock, but uh, <laughs> this is the kind uh-huh. of thing you would expect. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Seems like fun. I am going to be, I do have a ticket, so I am going to be at WWDC and wandering around San Jose so if you want to see what where I am and what I'm up to, I guess, um, probably I will be at the convention center most of the time. But yeah, just an interesting thing to way to connect with other fellow nerds who are in town. So I think it's a pretty cool idea. And so, yeah, you can check it out. I believe the app isn't actually in the store. There is a Google Doc to sign up for it. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So it's probably using test flight or something, a thousand people. Um, so, Mark, but the McHenry is on 14th and something. Where is McHenry Center? No, no, no. It's on 1st. Uh, Oh, first. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so if you look at the map in the screenshot, um, if you see where there's the 101 freeway and there's 87 freeway, if you see where those meet and then kind of go mm-hmm. a little bit northeast of that, that's where the convention center is. So there's nobody actually at the convention center on this, in this block. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of in between okay. the N and the J of San Jose. Is that right, Mark? Yes, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone is close. I think that's Peter Stein. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's close. But yeah. Oh, he's in there twice, too. Foul, he is in there foul. twice, too. He yeah, also has yeah, two devices. Yeah. One got stolen, so it's not a foul. We have to uh, we have to help him out and find his lost iPad. Interesting. That's it. Those are my two picks. Hmm. 
All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week then. Um, so, Mark, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Mark R at smapsoft.com or at smapsoft on Twitter. And Greg, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm uh, firstly on Twitter as Greg Heo, or you can email me, greg at gregheo.com. There you go. All right. And I am on Twitter, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. That's Tim Mitra. That's what I said at the top of the show. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This has been another wonderful episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. All of these things help others find out about the show, and we really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We are also on Twitter and Facebook. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. You can also support the show by pledging any amount you want on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh, wow, I just and, realized I got my free my freeways wrong. It's not eighty seven and one hundred one. It's eighty seven and two eighty. <sighs> but but the map was uh, deceiving. Really? Because, yeah, the one hundred one is the one that goes north south. That crosses six eighty, and two eighty is the east west one. And actually, yeah, it's, it is still two eighty at that point. Oh, two eighty and eighty. Well, we'll say that I two eighty and eighty seven is what you meant, right? Right, right. Two eighty and eighty seven, not one hundred one and eighty seven. Yeah, 101 and 87 is, is uh, oh, right, yeah. way like far north by the airport. Yeah. I know what you meant, Mark. Yeah, People right, will know what right. you meant. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll say that the this end was... the J, like you said, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 we'll say that was on purpose, just to see if anyone caught it. If anyone was listening. <laughs> but so, yeah. so am I the only one that thinks this sounds like an episode of the Californians? I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, it does sound like that because... <laughs> The California is, is based on real. California is based on real life. <laughs> yeah, of course, the California. Yeah, yep. it's way worse in Southern California, though. It's it's more of an LA thing, but we do oh, a little yeah. bit up here too. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a skit on uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live, Greg. Used to be. I don't think it's on anymore. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, it used to be um, Kristen Wiig and uh, what's his name? Uh, Fred, Ar- Fred, Fred Armisen. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. No way. Way. <laughs> I still have a voice. I'm actually kind of surprised, although it's it's going. Mm-hmm. Can you tell? Uh, can you... Uh, not so much. Not so oh, much. Okay. Before Good. we go, I just want to do one thing here. Let's do this. Hey Siri, how did the Leafs do? Oh, she didn't hear me. Ah, uh, hey, fail. Hey Siri, how did the Leafs do? Apparently, she doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, I found this on the web for how does a Leafs do? Ah. <laughs> hey Siri, how did the Toronto Maple Leafs do? Toronto was defeated by Washington in Game Four of the Round of 16 today. The final uh, score was five to four in overtime. My goodness, that's wow. pretty good. Did you say hey, Toronto? Did, is it, is it actually pronounced? Is yeah. Is, is it Leafs or Leaves? Leafs. No, it's Leafs. Leafs. It's actually misspelled. It's L E A F S. Let me let me try it. L E E A. No, L E A F S. It's like okay. Leaf okay. with a yeah. pl- pluralized. That's a Canadian spelling. 
No, that's just that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. We spell Leaves with L E L E V E S. Okay, all right, all right. Hey Siri, how do the Leafs do? by the Capitals in Game 4 of the round of 16 today. The final score was 5-4. to four. She understood me. How did the Leafs do is what it came up as. And, you know, yeah, that worked. Yeah. Mine says it's just 3-3. Oh, 5-4. Five five. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, when, when I watched earlier, it was 4-2. to two, So Oh, okay. Yeah, so they had already lost the game. Yeah. yeah. They were winning 4-2 and then they lost 5-4? No, 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 no. no, no they were no, losing 4-1 no, 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 no. at the end of the first. 4-2. Yeah. Was it four to one at the end of the first? That's what it says. First period four to one. Wow! And at the end of the second period, it would have been four to two. And then the third period, I guess there was a bit of a comeback, but five to four. Mm-hmm. Wow! Crazy. Little Siri. I actually had to enable Siri for that, so now I have to turn it back off. Yeah, because well, a friend of mine showed me you can do that with your watch. You can go, "Hey Siri, maybe not. Hey Siri, how did the Maple <laughs> Leafs do? How did the Maple Leafs do?" <laughs> How did the Maple Leafs stew? Maybe you need to yeah. enunciate more. Mine did actually say, how did the Leafs two, like T-O, yeah. and then it auto-corrected. Hey. I guess it knew the grammar, and it changed to do. So it was pretty good. It worked out for me. Hey, Siri, how did the Toronto Maple Leafs do? Yeah, she just shows me the score, but she doesn't say it out loud, which is why I did it on my phone. Ah, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Watch isn't going to talk to you mm-hmm. yet. Maybe the Series 3. Yeah, but if you're walking the dog, you can find out how the Leafs did, right? That's true. As if anybody really cares. I can put the second pick first and the first pick second. Yeah, that's okay. Hard. Well, I'll leave it in your hands, but that's not hard to do. But uh, okay, okay. Look at Mark. The yes. Canadian is rubbing off on him. He's like being so polite. I know. He's like sorry. He almost said sorry and everything. <laughs> sorry. Right? Wow. Oh, you hosers! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Take off. <laughs> Take off, eh? <laughs> do people still say that? No. <laughs> no, that was that was uh, that's just seventies or eighties. Bob, Bob and Doug. And Doug. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It is funny though how often like we say right more than we say a these days. I think right there you go. See, I just said it. I just said it. <laughs> I've had to stop myself from saying it because of you. I don't. Think, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, Tim, but you say it a lot, and then I started saying well, it a lot. What, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. So no, I no, had to no. Stop myself, Greg. You, you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't say it because people used to say that around here, and it's moved on. Uh, well, it's, right. You know, moved north. What yeah, I'm it's passe. It's passe okay. around here. Okay. Well, things you know, it, it, this is, doesn't sound like a joke, but it's kind of true. A lot of things, not everything. A lot of things sort of originate in California. And then oh, the do they? Oh, yeah. I see. It's true. No, it's true. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. And so this, in this case, yeah, people used to say right all the time. Well, it's funny that it's funny. Let's let's talk about the entomology for a minute here, if we can. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about bugs? You, you want to talk about bugs? Which, which is the root of words? Which is the root of words, by the way? In case you didn't know, but um, uh, yeah, no. It, 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 so, like, w- one of the things that people say now is pretty much, you know, pretty much done, or pretty. That's pretty much how it works, you know. Yeah. And I kind of remember the first time my stepson said that to me, probably about fifteen years ago. But still, I remember not having said that before, and it's amazing how. Today, I hear people use the word optional all the time, but not in the context of, of Swift. Are you right? talking about Swift developers? Yeah. No, okay. yeah, no. I mean, it's funny at work. Like <laughs> the word optional is used a lot, and and or option, or it's an option, it's an optional. It's kind of like, and I kind of you kind of sort of have to stop and think. Like, are they talking about optionals, whatever? And but the one thing that really bothers me is the '70s show when they always on the '70s show they used to say whatever all the time, right? We never said whatever in the '70s. 
That was an 80s and 90s. That thing. was an 80s thing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But if, yeah, it was a value. Yeah, whatever. Thing. You know, yeah, like just yeah. dismiss it, yeah. right? So Right, right. Yeah, we didn't have that. And that, yeah, that came from, from the Valley Girls, right? That came right. from uh, uh, Moon Unit, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if she invented it, but... No, but she, 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 pop, she brought it to the... Yeah. To the to the masses, right. as it were, right. 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 her dad's music. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's just sort of funny how, um, yeah, you hear things. Uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, disingenuous, Jimmy, as Tammy would say, that's awesome. <laughs> well, but the, but the word disingenuous, I hear that a lot now. Is that like some? Had you guys heard that before it became yeah, podcast there from way I back? I remember that from what? like. That's that's know, an SAT word. or something. I remember that for a long time ago. What did you say that, Mark? It's an SAT word. That may mean nothing to you in Canada. Yeah, it's that, that <laughs> exam thing, right? That you guys have to yeah, do? Yeah, so when you're in high school, you take these standardized exams called the SATs, right. at least on the East Coast. And you know, one of the things they do was you'd, you'd have vocabulary training in your English class you know, for a few months before the test. Mm-hmm. And you just have to learn all these words. And I remember that's... That's where I learned that word. That was one of the $10 words? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the definition was innocently frank. (laughs) Innocently what? Innocently frank. That was the SAT definition of ingenuous. Oh, oh, yeah, but this is disingenuous I was talking about. Well, so it's It's non-innocently frank. It's non-innocently frank. So let's ask the entomologist here, (laughs) how long has disingenuous been around? Uh, I would say uh, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, but maybe I'm trying. Was it like five to ten years ago? I forget when it was, but it it did have a. Re- I feel like it did have a resurgence. I remember everybody was saying it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I do my remember point, that. Right? Yes, yes. I do remember it became cool for a while for whatever reason. I feel like it was some kind of pop psychology thing. Like around that time, somebody wrote one of those you know books about your aura or something like that, and then they were like, "Oh, don't don't allow disingenuous people into your life." I feel like it was something like that. Right. In yeah. My memory. yeah. Yeah. And then the word kind of took off. So, yeah. Well, the first time I ever heard the word was on this podcast. Oh, okay. Seriously. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because really? I never did an SAT. I never studied for SAT. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> do they even yeah. have them in Canada? No, we, well, we, we don't yes, have they do. those. They do we, have, we have, we have this thing. We have a thing where, well, I mean, I don't know what they have now in school, but, uh, they had, um, I know when you went to, there was a time there when you were going to university and there was a big concern about the fact that, that high school kids didn't know English. So a lot of universities started having like an entrance, entrance test that tested your, uh, ability to speak and write and read in English. Right. So. But what are you saying, Greg? They're, they they have standardized yeah, they, tests. Now? They do have them. I mean, they run the SATs around the world, so yeah, they have testing centers here or not mm. here in Toronto. At least I remember they did have the, not as often. I think it's like every two weeks or something. Mark in the U.S. some places, yeah. like they run them all the time. I think I remember in Toronto they were like maybe it's like three or four times a year or something. They would they would have the. So maybe if if you them. want to apply to a U.S. college, maybe that's what it's for. Exactly. Right. Yes, yeah. so they do. They do yeah. have it there. I mean, I, again, they do it all over the world. Not as often as they would in the U.S., but I think it was still relatively. Free. Like once a quarter, I feel like, or maybe even once a month, there is a testing center in Toronto that would have it. So yeah, they do it there. Hmm. Well, I never, I never took it either. Though, and use. I never took it. That's why I don't know. <laughs> that's why I don't know the words. It's true. Sorry, that's our entomology, entomology section for this week. Um, by the way, uh, just just so I know, well, let's end end on this high note that the uh, the word that uh, that's just got put into the Oxford English Dictionary is sonic screwdriver. Oh, nice. Yep. That's not even the word. That's two words. That's how two words. That, no, but uh, what, what is Yeah. It's a term that's in... It's Well, you know what it's from, right? Yeah, but why would that go in the dictionary? Doctor Who. 
I don't know. I just read it online. It must be true. I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, I believe it. I'm just saying I don't believe it. They, they've turned the whole thing into like a publicity thing. Like, oh, look at the new word. It's Sonic Screw. Like, oh, come on. <sighs> <laughs> Makes the entomologists angry just thinking about it. Does it? The, the bug, the bug scientists. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. By the way, you do know that entomology is bugs. Uh, Etymology. I, is I think so. I think. Yes, I think we, we covered. Is, yeah. We covered that. Yeah. Yes, we covered that. Oh, we did. In well, my in the previous episode, of etymology. Oh, yeah. previous. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, is etymologist even a thing? Like a person who studies etymology is an etymologist? Is that a thing? Sure. Why not? Okay, I'll go with it. I feel like that's not really a job. I mean, there's got to be a few of them. Uh, well, so it's, true. So it's a noun. People who it's work a, at Webster's Dictionary? No, there's a word for people who work at a dictionary. I, I, it, the word doesn't come to mind, but I think there's a Dictionaries? No, it's a really weird really? sounding word. I have mm. to Google it somehow, but there is a word for it. Mm. Uh, I'm, so I'm probably not going to find it's it. It's a yeah. noun. It's a noun, chiefly science fiction, a handheld electronic device which uses sound waves to perform various mechanical and technical functions. Except really, it's a magic wand. The way they use it on it's the show. It's a hunk of plastic with an LED <laughs> screen, an LED in it, yeah. <laughs> but it can do anything. So number 12 got, his, got a new screwdriver this, uh, this episode. I don't know if you saw that, right? He didn't have his own screwdriver. Uh, I didn't notice that. I saw the episode, but I didn't notice Did that he had a new screwdriver. Yeah. It's new. Yeah, well, I saw a special about it uh, just before oh, it was aired. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lexicographer. That's All somebody right. who works on a dictionary. There it is. Right. That's the word I knew I it had this, something to do with the study of words like lexicology. Lex- lexicographer. Okay. Let's, graph, let's see what Google, is, you know, Google says. Um, Etymologist. Etymologist yep. or entomologist? Yeah. Is that a word, Mark? Et- etymologist. Yeah. Don't mess uh, with I just get etymology. Okay, etymologist. Um, etymologist. No, I don't see it. It's a specialist just... in etymology. Oh, okay. The, now, all right, all right, all right, all right. So specialist in etymology. Yeah. Right. But isn't but, Greg our resident etymologist? That's true. But I will say that the one I was thinking of. Or is he our entomologist? <laughs> Person, yes, no, no, I'm no, all no, about the bugs debugging. and software. I'm all about bugs and software. Yeah, we're Person we're who does the dictionary, though, is different. That's the lexicographer is the word I was thinking of. Is that a lexic, lexic, or is it a lexicologist? Lexicographer, because you're collecting stuff, not studying stuff. Well, you study. So lexicologist is a word. That is a word, yes, yes. Yeah. But a lexicographer is the person who, you know, uh, puts stuff in the dictionary. Yeah, makes sense. There we go. What's the difference between collegist and grapher? You can. What is the etymology of those? That will be the homework assignment for next week, and I will collect the homework on next week's episode. <laughs> what are the two words? Did you say the the suffix uh, like lexicog um, lexicologist? So the collegist suffix versus a lexicographer. Right. What does the graph suffix oh. mean? Grapher. What is the difference between Ooh. those two jobs? So again, that'll be homework. And what are graphemes? That's the bonus question, right? So. Are you going to have like a, a GitHub page where people can upload their their answers, Greg? Um, no, just put it in a gist and uh, tweet it to me. All right, or a gist cool. if you want to say it like that. Oh, please.